The Mailroom is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. With GameTime, you can buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in just two taps? Cook an entire homemade Thanksgiving dinner. Wouldn't that be great? Two taps, turkey is basted, I could just drink some wine and watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade and then some football. Unfortunately, that's uh, not how it works for Thanksgiving, but it is how it works for Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Live from Studio Nowhere. This is the Athletics Mailroom Podcast. Now here's your host, Amy Parlapiano. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mailroom. I'm Amy Parlapiano. This is the Athletics NFL Podcast, where we take our subscribers' questions with a different guest each week. And this week, we're doing things a little bit differently. Instead of questions, we're going through your comments and complaints on our recent all-decade NFL team uh, piece that we published this week. Um, And to do that, to look through all of your complaints and concerns and comments with us, we have National NFL writer Sheil Kapadia. Hi, Sheil. Hey, Amy, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I was going through the comments, and uh, I have to compliment Mike Sando because I don't remember a list like this ever getting people in the comments saying, like, good job, you nailed it. And (laughs) there were actually, I mean, those weren't all the comments, but he got some of those, so that's a job well done. Yeah, I know. I thought that this was going to be a lot easier to find comments for because I was like, oh, everyone's going to, you know, be arguing. But there were a lot of, you know, this was a really solid all decade team, hard to argue with a lot of the choices. So I picked out some comp. There were some, you know, some discrepancies in in reader opinions, but uh, we will go through those with you who uh, you voted on some of these on on all of these. So I'm interested to hear your opinion on uh, some of the comments. So let's start with probably the most important comment on this entire uh, article, which is from Tracy, who says, Jason Garrett could coach this team to the divisional round, probably. (laughs) Do you think that Jason Garrett could coach this team to the divisional round? Yeah, I thought that was great. I don't think either of us have like the ability to hand out swag or sweatshirts or t-shirts or whatever. But uh, I don't know if anyone from HQ, one of the higher ups, sees that comment. I I feel like Trey deserves something because that that was an outstanding comment. Divisional round, I I think he could get there. Yeah, I I think he could probably, uh, I think he could, I'm not going to give it 100%. Like in my weekly picks, I wouldn't say bet bet the mortgage on it, but uh, I think he could probably get there. All right, so I realize I should probably give the listeners some context. I'm just going to very quickly read this all-decade team. And so you were one of the vo- the, the writers who voted on this, um, along with Mike Sander, Lindsey Jones, some other of our national team. Uh, you guys voted. Some of these votes were unanimous. Some of them there were more contested, and we'll, we'll get into that. So quickly to read, we've got quarterback Tom Brady. That was unanimous. Running back number one, Adrian Peterson. Running back number two, Marshawn Lynch. Wide receiver number one, Julio Jones. Wide receiver two, Antonio Brown. Wide receiver three, Calvin Johnson. Tight end, Rob Gronkowski. That was unanimous. Tackle one, Joe Thomas. That was unanimous. Tackle two, Tyron Smith. Guard one, Marshall Yonda. Guard two, Zach Martin. Center, Marquise Pouncey. And then on defense, edge rusher one, Von Miller. 
edge rusher two, Chandler Jones. Defensive line one, Aaron Donald. And that was a tie with defensive line one, J.J. Watt. And then defensive line three, uh, Calais Campbell. Linebacker one, Luke Keekley. Linebacker two, Bobby Wagner. Cornerback one, Richard Sherman. Cornerback two, Patrick Peterson. Cornerback three, Darrell Revis. Safety one, Earl Thomas. Safety two, Cam Chancellor. Kicker, Justin Tucker. That was unanimous. All of Actually, I think all of the special teams were unanimous. It was kicker, Justin Tucker. Punter, Johnny Hecker. Punt returner, Devin Hester. Kick returner, Cordero Patterson. Special teamer, Matthew Slater. And then, of course, head coach, Bill Belichick. That was unanimous. So, Shield, just kind of before we get into the comments, how do you feel overall about that team? I thought it was a good team. I, I, yeah. I do think Mike did a good job. He kind of cheated and did a lot of research and asked a lot of people's opinions and really took his time putting it together. You know, I, I probably would have just let it rip, you know, let it fly and <laughs> who, who's coming to mind first. So uh, I don't know that that's totally fair, but uh, no, I think his, I think his uh, process worked out well. And I, I've seen people uh, you know, like Jeff Schwartz, who hosts the uh, the podcast on The Athletic and, of course, is a former offensive lineman, you know, went out of his way to tweet to Mike and say you nailed the offensive line. So if we're like nailing the offensive line, you wow. know, I, yeah. I don't think I don't <laughs> think that's easy. So I think he did a good job. All right. So let's start with some of the comments here. There are a lot of comments on the receiver section. So one of the things there kind of there was some debate. The biggest debate came around Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald's not on the list. Um, there's quite a few commenters who thought that he should be. So some of these comments, um, Blaine G says, Antonio Brown over Fitzgerald. I would be willing to bet one makes the Hall of Fame and the other doesn't. Uh, Jim T says, nice hands Larry has to be on there. Louis T says, Larry Fitzgerald should absolutely be on this team. I'd put him over Megatron. I think that longevity should play more of a factor in that decision. Thought about making the AB argument with how he's proven to be a detriment to his team due to his personality, but his talent is tough to argue with. Um, then Rick L says Fitzgerald is more deserving than Johnson. And then Paul P says Megatron is the second best wide receiver of all time, if not the best. So we've got some varying, uh, varying uh, opinions there. So Shield, how, what do you think about Larry Fitzgerald not being on this list? Did you consider him? And then I'm curious your take on Calvin Johnson, because obviously he hasn't played in about half a decade now. So what, what's, what's, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think there is a case for Larry Fitzgerald. I think the tough part about a list like this is where we're breaking it up. You know, it is the best of 2010. So it's not just which one of these wide receivers had the best career. That's a totally different discussion. You kind of had to look at the start of 2010 to where we are now in 2019. And that's how you're determining who to pick. So in 2010, like Larry Fitzgerald was already 27 years old. He was in his seventh season in the league. And so he had had these great years previously, but they just weren't part of this decade. And so I think that's probably where he got dinged. And then he, he played with some terrible quarterbacks for like two or three years in there. And so his numbers weren't as good. But uh, I don't have a I don't have a big argument against that complaint. I think there's absolutely a case for him. I think if you look at this this season right now, I think one of the most fun things has been that's, you know, he's gotten to play with a, a really good quarterback in Kyler Murray. And those two have connected on like on some amazing plays. Fitzgerald's numbers are really good. He's going to be 37 years old next year. Uh, but I, I would guess that he would go back to Arizona on a one year deal. And who knows how long he can play. So I think there's a case there. And then you mentioned it with Calvin Johnson. It's, it's all about, um, you know, how we weigh longevity here and, he was very good. I mean, he was amazing at the start of this decade. I mean, he had that year in 20, 
12, where he threatened to have uh, 2,000 receiving yards. He was at 1964. Uh, you know, he, he had 16 touchdowns the previous year. And so he only played one, two, three, four, five seasons this decade, but they were all like, you know, high level, outstanding. Even his last season, uh, before he retired, he had 1,200 yards, uh, 88 yeah. catches, you know, nine touchdowns. So uh, it is a tough one, and you can weigh it either way. I, I think just the fact that Calvin Johnson was sort of at his peak of his at the peak of his powers for this decade during that five year stretch is kind of what gave him the edge over Fitzgerald for me. Yeah, I thought it was interesting um, reading through what Mike Sando wrote for each kind of blurb, and I I think that. Um, they, I don't think that anyone received any other votes than the three on this list. So I don't even think Fitzgerald's got any votes from anybody. Um, so I think that also speaks to how dominant these players were and or are. And I don't agree with the one of these commenters saying that he should be there over Antonio Brown. Like that to me is I think I think that's just recency of what Antonio Brown uh, kind of recent antics. But that doesn't take away from what he did on the field. He definitely deserves to be on there. So it's hard to argue with the three that it turned out with. I just I was just a little bit surprised that everybody voted for Calvin Johnson instead of someone like Fitzgerald just because I thought longevity might factor into the votes a little bit more. But, um, you know, there's there's no wrong answer with any of these guys. So I thought that was interesting. And then Brian W. still on receivers. Um, I th- I'm going to guess that Brian W. might be a Saints fan. He says, no Saints from this decade. No, thanks. Mike Thomas has only played three years of this decade, but is already one of the most dominant receivers in NFL history. I think that that's a little bit of the kind of recency bias that we were talking about. What do you think, Sheil? Yeah, I think that's definitely (laughs) some hyperbole. I mean, this is his fourth season and, you know, he's a great player. I think he's one of those guys who, you know, they're playing and then they're not getting that much recognition. And then everyone jumps on it and says, you know, this player deserves more recognition. Look at what they're doing. And then it goes like too far the other way. You know, like I I don't know that Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, I wouldn't even say is definitively the best receiver in the league right now. You know, I think there are some other guys uh, in that top tier who, if you plugged in uh, on the Saints and playing in that offense, they would have very good numbers. So he's fantastic, not taking anything away from him. But uh, yeah, he's got a way to go to kind of get in the discussion (laughs) of the guys we just mentioned, I think. Yeah. Don't come um, after me, right. Michael Thomas. <laughs> or Brian W., apparently. Number one Michael <laughs> yeah, Thomas right. fan. Um, all right. So let's move on to uh, the rest of the uh, – dis- most of the disputed uh, positions from now on are on defense. Um, linebackers was – Next, uh, and this is from J.O., who says, this is spot on, but Wagner is better than Keekley. And we had uh, Keekley as the number one linebacker and Wagner as the number two linebacker. So Jay thinks that it should be reversed. What do you think? Yeah, I saw that. And I think this is one of those where if you are a Seahawks fan, you're probably <laughs> saying it's Wagner. If you're a Panthers fan, you're probably saying it's Keekley. And then it comes down to everyone else. I had to choose I put Keekley number one, um, and it's really, you know, the numbers are all going to be very similar. I, I think they were, you know, clear-cut, the top two linebackers, off-ball linebackers to be on this list. Uh, I just felt like when I watched, you know, when I covered games or when I watched Keekley, he was a guy who, you know, offensive linemen would be saying, this guy can just sort of, you know, I've seen him wreck a game. You know, he's just 
every possession he's making a play, whether it's in coverage, whether he knows what's coming before the snap on a run play and making a play behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, it's really a coin flip. And Wagner has been outstanding. I covered him out there for two years, and he just piles up those tackle numbers. He's a leader. He's durable. He, you know, he doesn't miss a lot of time. Uh, so both great players. It's kind of just your preference. And uh, I felt like Keekley had a slight edge. And then there were a couple of comments about Patrick Willis here. David A., Patrick Willis should be on this list. Doug O., not nearly enough love for Patrick Willis. What do you think about that? I think it's tough to put him over the two guys we have on there. Yeah, I don't think there's any argument for him. I, I think, again, if we're looking at careers and uh, these guys at sort of their, their peak, then, yeah, you can have that discussion. But, I mean, Patrick Willis played four seasons this decade and there were the last four seasons of his career. And the last one, I think he played in six games. Of course, you know, he, he retired uh, earlier than I, I think people thought and had the injury issues and all that. But, uh, you know, if you're looking at three seasons from this decade that weren't even necessarily better than the guys we had on who are still playing and still playing at a high level, uh, I don't think there's much of a case for that. Right. All right. So we're moving on now to defensive line. And this centered around uh, one player, really, that there was some clapback against Calais Campbell. So Aaron M. says Campbell over Fletcher Cox and Namakong Sue. Nah. <laughs> and then Daniel M. says Fletcher Cox, uh, that they would put Fletcher Cox over Campbell. What did you, how did you vote on this? I went with Campbell. And mm-hmm. I think Campbell is a guy who just every time I've covered a game where he's involved, he like does something. He has a game changing (laughs) play. I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. His sack numbers for uh, really an interior defensive lineman, whether he was in Arizona or even still doing it with Jacksonville after he got the big, uh, big contract there. And that doesn't even factor in. I haven't looked up the uh, batted passes, but you know, with his length, he's making those plays all the time too, which don't get counted as much. So uh, I thought Campbell, was definitely the choice there. Uh, Fletcher Cox has had a really good career and at his peak, you know, if you were telling me one game and they're each going to, you know, you're guaranteed before the game that this guy is going to give you sort of his, his a game, you know, the, the best game of his career. Then I think I would take Fletcher Cox over Calais Campbell. I think he's more dominant with his strength and can really just kind of take over and wreck a game, but I don't think he's done it uh, long enough or consistently enough. You know, he's averaged, I think, uh, under six sacks for his career per season. And so you're looking at really four great, you know, it took him a little bit to get going early in his career. So you're looking at four great seasons. I think Campbell has uh, just done it longer. And there's one other comment in here um, from Maximilian R. And he says, uh, glad to see Vince Wilfork getting at least some consideration. Hard to compete in a category with Watt and Donald. But man, was Wilfork great. Feels like he gets overlooked recently, but he was such a beast. And I think that that kind of comes down to just there wasn't room really for him in in this particular category with the kind of uh, competition that he had. Yeah, and and you're looking at it, it, it's tough because when you're looking at lists like this, you obviously, uh, you know, you lean on your memory and people you've talked to and then the statistics and Will Fork was just a different player. I think if we were doing uh, a 3-4 and it was a nose tackle on uh, first and second down, then yeah, it's going to, you know, certainly he has a case. But with the way football was sort of evolving and where it is here at the end of the decade with passing being so uh, being so prevalent and pass rush being so important to all these passes, 
pass rushers. I think uh, that's where the other guys have the edge. Uh, edge and the other guys, I mean, yeah, he's in a tough category with um, you know some of the overall best players on this list. All right, so now we've got the safeties. So we have Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor are the safeties that we have picked, and there's quite a bit of a response about Harrison Smith getting overlooked. Um, so Grant K says, would have thought Harrison Smith would at least get some consideration. Not good enough to make the team, but I thought he was probably better than Eric Weddle, who was mentioned, I think, in the like other players who we considered list. Um, Devin K, great list, just sad. My man, Harrison Smith, didn't get mentioned with all the other great safeties. Jacob O, I'm surprised Harrison Smith didn't get any votes. I'd personally take him over Cam Chancellor. And then Caleb H, how is Harrison Smith not even in consideration for one and two, one of the one of the two safety spots. How do you feel about uh, the Harrison Smith snub? I think this is pro football focus is doing. They love Harrison Smith, right? They've said, <laughs> uh, I, think, uh, I think at one point they named him the best, like their top player in the NFL, and they've given him uh, a lot of love. So I think that may have factored in here. And also I know our, our Minnesota site does well. So maybe those are a lot of Vikings <laughs> fans chiming in. Uh, I can buy the idea that Harrison Smith deserves a mention, in there, uh, I do not think, you know, taking him over Cam Chancellor, uh, I do not see that. They're very different players. Harrison Smith is obviously a very versatile guy who can uh, rush the passer, cover, play free safety, all those different things. But uh, I just thought Chancellor has definitely had a better better overall career, has been a more impactful player over the decade. And then there's like the, you know, anecdotal stuff pr- probably weighed in my mind, quite honestly, where I, I covered the Eagles Vikings uh, NFC championship game from a couple of years ago. And, you know, Zach Ertz just kind of ate Harrison Smith's lunch that day. So I don't know, Vikings fans are going to get mad at me, but that, that sort of stuck <laughs> in my mind too, where, you know, in a big spot chance to go to the Super Bowl, um, he did not have a great game and was kind of getting taken advantage of in multiple ways. So that was only one game. I understand he's had a very good career. He deserves a mention, but uh, I feel good about the, the safeties on this list. And so the next comment we have, this is from Stephen M. And he kind of asks more of a a question about the process of of the voting in terms of who's on it. So he says, was this the best players at their peak or players who were consistently tops at their position? Because I find it hard to believe Malcolm Jenkins is not on this list. Yeah, you know, I I don't even know if it was one or the other. I kind of tried to weigh everything and put it all together and then come up with a decision. I mean, we mentioned some guys like Calvin Johnson. They obviously didn't play right. the entire decade, but uh, you know, they, they still made the list. So I think you had to have some type of longevity. You know, if you only played two or three years in the decade, you weren't going to make it. But if you played five or six that were outstanding versus nine that were, you know, really good, but not quite outstanding, then you might go with the first guy. So uh, Jenkins has had a very good career for sure. He's probably been one of the more uh, underrated players. But uh, again, I, I still think the safeties we had on there, I feel pretty good that we got those those right. All right. So now moving on to cornerbacks. And so this was just to let me read it again in terms of what order we had it in, because that's kind of part of it. It was cornerback one. We had Richard Sherman, cornerback two, Patrick Peterson, cornerback three, Darrell Revis. Um, So I think I personally was surprised that Revis came in at number three. Um, 
And I think some other people are too. And so Philip T says, Revis at third is a crime, particularly putting Sherman at one. Revis played the other team's top guy every week. So, Shil, how did you vote your cornerback section? I had Sherman first, and then who did we have? Patrick was Patrick was Peterson. Peterson was, was two, yeah. and then Revis was three. Did you have it in, in that order? That, that's the order I had, and I think, again, I think the reason why uh, Revis gets dinged here is just sort of the timing and when he came into the league. You know, 2010 was his fourth season in the NFL, so he had already had three really good seasons with the Jets. Uh, you know, he was still very good. There's certainly a case for Revis. I understand those complaints. And, you know, he just kind of had the weird career where then he jumped to Tampa in 2013. Then he was on the Patriots in 2014. Then he came back to the Jets. And, he, you know, at that point, uh, that was 2015, so half the decade. And he wasn't really uh, an impact player at that time. He was already 30 years old. So uh, I went with Sherman once, uh, you know, I, I think you just look at he, he came in at the right time. You know, he came in in 2011. He's still going. He's been durable. He had the one season where he was injured, but that was it. You know, he the point is true that Revis was a man, uh, a man corner who was covering the other team's wide receiver and really taking them out of the game. I think this is one where he said, all right, if I need a guy for uh, one game, then you, you could certainly make the case for Revis to just take out the opponent's top wide receiver. But, you know, Richard Sherman was taking away one side of the field as well. So sometimes I think uh, that that's a little overrated. It's certainly fair to point out Sherman was kind of the perfect fit of scheme and player there in those Seattle defenses. But man, he really made the most of it with, uh, you know, 35 interceptions. I know he was getting thrown at probably a little bit more than Revis, but uh, I, I felt okay about that. Now, you know, now that we're talking about it, I wonder if uh, I could make the case that it maybe Sherman, Revis, Peterson, as good as, Peterson's been like you know he just hasn't played and it's not his fault but he hasn't played in you know big games and uh, been that impactful on great defenses as much as the other two guys uh, so I, I think I still like Sherman number one but I could probably be convinced that Reva should be number two yeah I think from reading it uh, when I read this for the first time I was surprised that Revis wasn't number two just because um, in the kind of explanation of, of, of behind the voting there are a lot of comments of voters who a lot of voters I do think put Revis at one um, or at least a, a few who are quoted and, and talking about his, his kind of dominance during that stretch. And so when he came in third, I was a little uh, I was just a little surprised based on kind of the way that some of the voters were talking about how dominant he'd been and how they had had him at number one. So I think I probably would do a Sherman Revis. I would have Peterson third, I think. Um, but Again, in terms of Sherman and Revis, I think you could I, I could be convinced either way in terms of who deserves that top spot. Um, all right. So then we've got actually I want to ask you about this because uh, I think you were quoted in the in the piece to kind of defend your vote for, for this one. So we're we're back to the offensive line, uh, which we've been praised for our great voting on. And so for in the, in the tackle section, we've got the, Joe Thomas is unanimous tackle two. Um, we had it as Tyron Smith, and then one of the comments is from Matt S., and he said, I've seen Jason Peters do things no other tackle in the league can do, just a physical freak. Smith and Thomas are obviously great and will be deserving Hall of Famers as well, but give me JP's athleticism 10 times out of 10. What do you think about this, Jill? 
Yeah, I voted for Jason Peters. You know, yeah. I, I did not want to play the homer card with either my Eagles coverage or my uh, Seahawks <laughs> coverage. So uh, I tried really hard not to do that. But this was one where I felt like Peters has had a Hall of Fame career. You know, his numbers with Tyron Smith are very similar, but I just feel like Peters has been dominant and I've I've had offensive line coaches. I know Howard Mudd, sort of the legendary offensive line coach, you know, and, and Jeff Stoutland, the Eagles offensive line coach who kind of w- was very good during their Super Bowl run. I mean, even before they coached Jason Peters, they said they were showing their players tape of Jason Peters. Like, you know, he was sort of the standard of this is how we want to play the position, look at the things this guy does. And then also what the commenter, Matt, said there that there were things that he did that you just didn't see anybody else do and that you wouldn't want to teach because uh, it was just sort of what an athletic marvel he was being an undrafted free agent, starting at tight end and sort of just building up this Hall of Fame career, uh, you know, very good teammate, leader, all those different types of things. So, uh, you know, that's one probably where it depends which guy you've covered more, which guy you've watched more. But uh, I, I do think there's a strong case there uh, or it should have been a little bit closer, at least uh, with Peters over Tyron Smith. There was one pretty funny comment that I just want to read you because it made me laugh about um, in the guard section. It was guard one, Marshall Yondo, guard two, Zach Martin, and Ted Wynn, um, our national, one of the national writers, our, our film writer, um, actually voted for Martin over Yonda. Um, and somebody in the comment section said, I love you, Ted, but you are dead to me. Martin over Yonda, are you crazy? So. <laughs> And yeah, Ted, that's <laughs> Ted's defense was it's a bit of a scheme preference thing. If I were a coach, I'd run outside zone all day. So I, I just think it was funny that uh, um, that yeah. So I love that the commenter <laughs> comes with like an emotional take, and you know Ted comes back with like X's and O's about yeah, how it's a scheme uh, preference. Know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, that I mean the offensive line ones were obviously tough. I don't think any of us. Uh, at least I don't, you know, claim to having watched uh, hours and hours of film of all these guys. I do think uh, I think I think I went Yonda there. I think he's had an outstanding career. He's still doing it. Has been so good for them uh, right now. And um, so, yeah, I, I think Martin probably has gotten more national exposure with the Cowboys. Where if you flip their teams, uh, I think maybe Yonda would be uh, a no brainer now. But but who knows? People, I think, generally liked the team. So good job, Sheil. You really put a good team together here, you and, and our national team. Uh, do you have any other thoughts uh, Any other thoughts on the team? Anything you did uh, much differently than uh, the results showed? No, no. I think uh, I, I think it was tough. One thing we did have uh, discussions about, and, uh, you know, Mike Sando was, uh, really did a great, great job with this. I was joking earlier, but he really put a lot of care into it. And he called me at one point, just with the sort of structure of the defense, that was tough. You know, how many, uh, line, are we a four, three, are we a three, four? And so I think the way he settled on it was really smart to get kind of three defensive linemen in there. You can still get, uh, two edge rushers in there. Edge rusher was a tough one. You know, it was, uh, Khalil Mack and Chandler Jones. I think that was a uh, one of my toughest decisions I know I think if I had one game I would go with Mac but I think if you look at sort of what they've done over the decade Chandler Jones has had a more impressive resume but uh, I think that was sort of an interesting part even with the three cornerbacks you know it shows kind of the way the game has changed where every team's playing with three cornerbacks now and so I, I think that was a smart way to do it there's one other part that I thought was interesting um 
obviously Tom Brady was a unanimous selection for quarterback, but I, I think Ted, it was Ted again, who said, um, he said quarterback was the toughest call for me. I know Tom Brady has all the rings, deserves to be the top quarterback, but some of the things that Aaron Rodgers did in his prime were just draw dropping and he has a Super Bowl ring as well. So I think, uh, I thought that was interesting to hear that it was a, that quarterback was a difficult decision for him because I think everyone kind of assumes it was just this very, very easy selection. But, uh, you know, I thought, I thought that was some interesting perspective from Ted's point of view. Yeah. I think Rodgers, if you took his best season, then you can certainly uh, make the case. And, uh, you know, I think many of us of, cer- of a certain age range would look at it and say, wow, Rodgers has been just like the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. You know, just the things he's done with his arm, his movement, the plays he makes, all those different things. Um, but just when you look at longevity over the decade, how many good seasons were stacked over and over and over again, I actually thought Drew Brees might have a, a case to be the number two guy, just when you look at sort of his numbers and consistency and accuracy, I mean, he doesn't make the same type of jaw-dropping plays as Aaron Rodgers, but uh, if you look at sort of who's done it well for the longest period of time, I think he probably had the case there. Yeah, it was just kind of uh, just a reminder of kind of how lucky we've been as fans to see the guys that we've seen at quarterback position over the last decade, like it was from Sando's uh, sentence, right, of like, it was a strong field featuring Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger and others. And that doesn't even really count Peyton Manning, who was done kind of halfway through the decade. Um, but yeah, so a lot of, a lot of great guys to watch there. And, um, all right, chill. Well, that wraps up, uh, the, the comment portion of our all decade team. So I will let you go here very shortly, but I do have a very important question before I let you go, which is completely unrelated to football and it's about Thanksgiving and food. And it is about what is in uh, your opinion, the best Thanksgiving, uh, side dish. The best Thanksgiving side dish. I like a uh, I like a mac and cheese, but it needs oh, wow. to have okay. it needs to have like the um, what are those little crumbles on top? I need a oh, little like crunch to it. Yeah, I need Ooh. a little crunch to it. I don't want like a mushy. You know, I I know you get to that part eventually, but like that top layer is uh, is very important. And um, so so yeah, I would uh, I would go with that. What do you have for that answer? I've just got stuffing, you know, the classic uh, okay. the great family recipe of stuffing that I just look forward to every single year. The stuffing can't beat it. I actually don't um, ever eat the turkey. I d- I'm not very interested in, in eating the turkey ever. So I mostly just have like a plate full of like mashed potatoes, stuffing and cranberry sauce. That's my uh, Thanksgiving oh, you'd dinner. Be, you'd so. be great at the Kapadia vegetarian uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you're oh, you're welcome here anytime. <laughs> I have Great. I have seen some takes about uh, you know some some takes that the actual food at Thanksgiving is a little overrated and uh, you know mm. I don't I don't know that that's a bad take I, I you know I could kind of if I were kind of coming up with my sort of perfect meal or you know four or five dishes I don't know how many of them would be in your all decade uh, Thanksgiving meal yeah perhaps? my all yeah that's next year yeah look for that on, sub, please subscribe <laughs> subscribe to the athletic for all your all decade food uh, material that's right. <laughs> all right Jill thank you so much for coming on and joining us again uh, hopefully we'll have you back again again soon uh, we love having you on and um have a very very happy thanksgiving all right you too thanks amy <laughs> <laughs>